Um, so the other film, well, it's sort of, it's not necessarily like a film as, so much as it is like an anthology. And so it's an anthology that inserts pieces of the story of the Matrix. Yeah. And so we have the original Matrix film, which already was like groundbreaking on its own. Mm-hmm. But you had all these pieces before and in between the movies that gets filled in by these animation stories that get brought in. So called the Animatrix. The Animatrix. And so the Animatrix came out in 2003. It was a American like Japanese combo where the Wachowski brothers are the ones who brought together all of the famous Japanese directors of the time and asked them to direct a piece of the Matrix story. And they helped them write it and then kind of pushed forward a certain art direction. And the directors had a really heavy influence on what it was going to look like. And so you have you have a like a good series of directors. So there's uh, Koji Morimoto, there's Shinshiro Watanabe, there's Mahiro Madeda, there's Peter Chung, Andy Jones, Yoshiaka Kawajiri, and Takeshi Koki. So these are like the main people for that time period. I think I recognize. I think Watanabe I recognize. Yes, yeah. what, what else did Watanabe do? Um, what was his? What was he, something else he did? Because I recognize him a lot. Is he that guy that makes a ridiculous amount of movies? He's the one who did Cowboy Bebop and Holy Samurai Champloo. Fuck! Which episode did he fucking do? Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, and Space Dandy. Um, oh, he ended yes, up, that's why I fucking I love yes, all those animes, yes. and I'm freaking out right now. So which one of the episode was um, his specifically? I have to double check exactly Better, tell me. which one he did. I'm freaking out right now, John. Um, let me see. I can't calm down. Give me a moment. Freaking out. He did the kid story, which is um, yep. Yeah, he did the story with the kid who killed himself and oh, okay, gotcha. breaks free of the Matrix. Um, and it has that one to me stood out as very different for its artistic style mm-hmm. because it's sort of like it's it's a mix between like almost storyboard and almost like complete. It's like a very uh, line drawn style mm-hmm. that's jumpy and it isn't super like uh, polished. At yeah, the end of it. yeah, I do, I do. I remember this episode. Isn't this the one where he kind of he jumps off a building and then like fades through like reality after that and then into this into the tank. Uh, right is that what it is well he he essentially commits suicide and people think that he has died so they even show i think like a burial scene and then uh in the matrix he wakes up and he's on a table and he wakes up to neo. Uh, to neo there you go yeah and, I remember this. um but the thing is, is he's communicating with neo through a computer at one point and is like trying to figure out how to get out of the matrix mm-hmm. and Set what they call free. it what they call it in the in the matrix is self-substantiation it's basically removing oneself from the matrix without external aid. So he doesn't get any help from anyone. He sort of figured it out on his own. Yeah. But it isn't just killing yourself. Yeah. So it's like if you were to just like commit suicide in the matrix, you would die like in your real life version in the pod that you're in. In this case, he figured out some sort of mental barrier that he was able to get through and realized that there was something wrong with the world that he was living in and then was able to break out of that. Yeah, because people come into his classroom and whatnot and start, like, talking to him because he's been talking to Neo. Yes. I See, now I'm putting this whole episode back together. I'm starting to remember it more now. So, <laughs> yeah, because I remember they all come in, and even the teachers after him. Even the teachers are like, yes. who have you been talking to? These men are here to see you. Right, exactly. Um, so, the, the anthology starts with the final flight of the Osiris. Oh, I love it. The final flight of the Osiris was written by the Wachowskis, but it's directed by Andy Jones. Okay. And so you sort of get um, a precursor to the previous crew of the Osiris, and the Osiris ends up being the ship that Morpheus is is captain of, right? Uh, no, Morpheus is not the captain of that ship. I no, no, no. Morpheus is the captain of the Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, I don't remember. I don't think they really na- mention too many of the names. And if they do, I don't remember them. They're not mentioned yeah, enough. Right. But I do remember it's basically like that episode starts off with a like a, a training simulator, like samurai fight kind of deal. Yep. They're, mar- they're martial arts and they're using swords. Yes. So... Uh, it's basically two lovers fighting each other. Yep. Uh, and then they get out after training session and they figure out that the machines are on their way to Zion. Yeah, which is like the main city where all yeah. of the freed people from the Matrix all the free are humans are able yeah. to live sort um, of peacefully. I liked I liked how they even mentioned it in one of the movies that there are people who are born after that who were like never hooked up to the Matrix and don't have like those plugs mm-hmm. on the back of their neck, so they can't go into the Matrix. They have to like exist as like engineers and mm-hmm. like uh, operators. 
So, um, like Tank and his brother end up being operators in yep. the Matrix movie. Oh yeah, because they don't they don't have any plugs they don't have any anything, plugs, so they can't go in. But they learn how to look into the Matrix and sort of like are coders. Code it. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They basically become hackers. Yeah, they become hackers and help out the crews. the The scene you're thinking of is Captain Thaddeus, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and Ju. They're um basically like a sword fight in like a virtual reality like mm-hmm. dojo style yeah. thing, and it's like really sexual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like are cutting each other's clothes off essentially with yep. all of their moves oh yeah that's right this i think this is like their version of flirting uh, yeah while of. they're like in the simulation but Hot. it ends really quickly when they get pulled out and are like telling them that there's a bunch of sentinels on their way mm-hmm. and, and it's close to them and so that was interesting because they're already like sort of they understand that the matrix is something they can control at this point and so in this way they're controlling their own reality and they how can they can set it to be whatever they want but their training inside of there translates to them outside of the matrix as well. So like they are training in both worlds. And so they're able to use like all of these skills. It's why like Morpheus is so good Mm -hmm. because he ends up like training in martial arts basically. Uh, But what's cool is in the movie in the matrix, uh, Neo sort of gets uploaded with all of the info. He like learns karate through like a computer program that's Mm -hmm. like plugged into him. And that's how he learns how to fight. Mm-hmm. And so they, they just, they just stuff like upload that. like the senses into him basically. So he oh yeah, pretty it. much. Um, so essentially, what that story is um, is like you mentioned earlier, they get informed that a large amount of sentinels are moving towards Zion, and that they're most likely going to attack. And the Osiris is really far out, and so they have to get to a place in the outside world and on planet Earth, like within the system that they're living in, mm-hmm. to send a message back to Zion. And the only way they can do it is inside of the Matrix. And so the girl, um, oh, God, what is her name again? Jewel? Yeah, Jew. She she goes into the Matrix again and essentially does, like, a running mission where she has to get to a mailbox and drop in the letter, which is their version of sending the message. But that whole running scene is amazing. You get her running through the city mm-hmm. and, like, doing all sorts of acrobatics and falls through, like, a con- like a building that's being constructed mm-hmm. and like does all sorts of like diving poses as she's falling all parkour through. yeah essentially it's like heavy parkour which is really cool um i think what i liked about this was they sort of know that uh they're not going to survive yeah so this is like the the title is already giving you enough about it and it's like the final flight basically of what they're doing and so their only goal is to get this message out and that's what the whole uh, episode ends up being. And so the, the, they do get the message out. And that same message is actually tied directly into the movie. So when they are, like, getting notification that there's a bunch of Sentinels moving close, uh, it was from them. It was from the Flight of the Osiris. So it connects really directly into the narrative. And so each piece of the story is going to do that, mm-hmm. where it connects in some way or another and fills in gaps. Yeah. And the Wachowski brothers did this on purpose when they were creating everything. It's like one of the first movie series to take advantage of every like electronic medium. Like they had a website where you can go and you oh, could yeah, find out right. information. Right. And you can look at all the information for Animatrix. Yep. And I remember all of this. I remember there was like, we have a website yep. for it. And pe- this we is have... when like the internet was just becoming a thing. And like you were able to go to a website and then like it was all encrypted. It was very nineties. And like the website looks really old. Apparently it's still up. You oh, can go and find. Still go find the you can still find the original website. website for the Matrix, and you can go and look at all of the extras in there. Um, they they put it onto like some server where it's never gonna get taken down. It's kind of how like the Space Jam website is still up. <laughs> you can go and you can go and find these. It's great. <laughs> um, Fucking Space Jam. Right, and <laughs> and so that one and so that story ends, and then it goes into the second Renaissance, mm-hmm. which is essentially the story of how the robots kind of came to be intelligent how they gained like artificial intelligence and then how they broke away from being enslaved by people who of course took advantage of having robots and like them doing everything for them mm-hmm. and then at some point they broke away but they really did try to be a part of the society yeah they sent their own ambassador to like the world council and to really like try to reason with these people and figure out what's going on and they end up creating a sort of uh, capitalism where the robots are the ones who are making the most profit. Mm-hmm. They're like the best at making cars at any of the electronics and things like that. And they sort of switched 
the the book on or the story on the people because at first you have them as like all the robots are like bartenders and people who clean up trash Mm -hmm. and sort of like the second level jobs no one wants to do and so of course humans sort of take up this privileged existence of not having to do any dirty work Mm -hmm. and that's how they sort of continue existing until which i think they end up calling like the singularity which is really just when one robot on its own decided that they didn't want to live like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they end up changing up the story and being like, no, we're going to exist on our own. And then it gets into the whole, how are these robots going to have their rights kind of story? Sort of, Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the humans are definitely not okay with it. No. Nope. Um, basically they start getting really upset because they feel like the robots are going to essentially take over. And they don't at first. They're very willing to work with them and to exist in their own city. And so they decide to leave. They're not going to associate with humans at all. Instead, they're going to go live in their own city and establish that. And then they're going to produce whatever they do out of there and make money so that their economy grows. And so in doing so, they take over every piece of the economy for the world. They are like the resource for all the electronics. And it makes sense. It's an artificial robot colony that comes together and creates everything. And so that's how they sort of take over, but not. Mm -hmm. And then this is when like, they essentially are like trying to go to the uh, council of people and be like, this is what we do. This is what we want to do. We want to have this sort of respect and they don't get it. So they're like, fine, it's war then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, they essentially kill everyone in the council. They set off like a bomb in there Mm -hmm. and then war breaks out. And this is when you get probably like the most violent episode where you have them like directly fighting any machine that they encounter. Mm-hmm. And you see like dudes like getting ripped out of the robots, like cut in half, like mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. And so this is essentially like the quote unquote renaissance for the robots. Mm-hmm. And so in an attempt to sort of stop the robots, they think their power source is the sun. Yeah. And so they blot out the sun with all of these like chemicals and clouds that go over. And so they get rid of it. But all they really do is put themselves in darkness and yeah. it makes it worse for the humans. It, it, the machines adapt to it easier because they're, they yeah. are, they are solar powered. That is a deal. That is yeah. a thing. They are, they are solar powered and the humans block, blot out the sun, turn the sky black, which is why in the matrix, when you see the at what the world looks like, it is all dark. Yeah. And whatnot. And there's a reason why it's like that. And so this does a good job of explaining why the setting is the way that it is. Um, and also the robots eventually like, like want to stop the fighting and then they give like humanity an ultimatum being like, well, y'all can just kind of, well, they go back to them and they're like, you're not going to win this battle. If you guys go into it, right. because we can literally build more soldiers and just keep fighting and fighting. And they're like, so they try to take over in that way where they're like, you guys are going to be subservient. Mm-hmm. and you need to fill it this is what like they come in and show like what are their rules and regulations and of course the humans are like fuck you we're not going to do any of this and completely rebel and this is when the war sort of starts yeah and they move forward and th- this is the story of how the matrix comes to be yep. they sort of uh they take over completely they kill almost all the humans but then they realize that some of the best ways to get energy and power is through harvesting humans and so they start putting them into this pod where they can pull all of their energy until they get really old and they get rid of it. And so they start creating people, Mm -hmm. which is really weird. But they found out that the best way to keep them alive was to insert their minds into the matrix. Mm -hmm. And so give them their minds something to do. Otherwise they start freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And so they create the matrix and then people who break free of the matrix go and form their own colony, which becomes Zion. Mm -hmm. And this is where the matrix picks up. And so you get the, the previous story. So this is, this is so much because yeah. it's like you're getting the like what would happen when artificial intelligence wants its own autonomy and how are people going to respond to that? Because we aren't that far off. No. From getting a robot. Self, that wants, Self-learning yeah. AI is already a thing. Yeah. And it's being developed. Well, right they now. had to shut one down recently. Oh. Yeah. There was a there was an AI that created its own language. Oh. That it felt was more effective in communicating with other electronics. <laughs> and they were like, no. And the scientists were like, yeah, we're going to shut this down. <laughs> and, then, and then just shut it down. Um, but it, it learned that in like a few months where it was like this uh, this form of binary code that you're using is ineffective. I'm going to make my own language. 
And then it started making its own language in a different sort of like mathematical sequence that they could not understand. And so for like a couple of weeks, they didn't know what it was doing. They could only assume that it was gathering information because it was hooked up to the internet and it was getting like any info it could. And that at some point it was going to like communicate with them what it wanted. But they were like, no, we're not going to do that. And so they, they ended up shutting it down. And so they keep doing that. They keep getting these artificial self-learning robots that get to a certain point, And then we don't really let it go past that. And I think it's because we have that typical fear. It's like, oh, this is like Skynet. This is like, this is like Terminator status where they might just want to kill all humans because like every human is pretty much flawed uh, in comparison to like when robots create themselves, they're sort of perfect in their own right. eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not experiencing like the emotions. Um, but there are like some possibilities that they may be able to replicate something like that in machines. And so it makes me think of like ex machina where he made the art of the, yeah, exactly. he made the girls who are robots, but like they end up experiencing emotion and like it ends up just being like a Turing test gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> ex machina is a whole, a whole other can of worms. Yeah. That's a whole, that's a great movie though. That's such a good movie. Yeah. But what was the next episode after? Uh, what was the next like section of the movie after the New Renaissance? So you get the you get that story, and then you get the kid story. This is the one directed by Wontanabe. Um, it was Wontanabe, and it was the animation was done by Shinya Ohira and Shinji Hashimoto. So it was a uh, studio four de- four degrees Celsius from Tokyo oh. is the one who did the production design for this. Um, so essentially, what the kid story is. Uh, is really dealing with um, self-substantiation, which is escaping the matrix without any sort of extra help. But it also ties in what does suicide mean to people in the matrix. And, of course, it's a statement on real suicide and how it feels to people. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like they were arguing that it is is an escape and that it is a very real route that you can take Mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily like a selfish thing to do and that's Mm -hmm. not like the end. That's like essentially like the beginning of his story because mm-hmm. he breaks free of the matrix without anyone's help. And so he's the only one who does that in all of the like the existence of the matrix. They knew it was possible. They just hadn't seen anyone do it like do it yet. And so, of course, he becomes part of the crew with Neo on the Nebuchadnezzar. And because he's like an important person, mm-hmm. like he, if he can do that, he could probably tell the people how to do it. Um, but it does really like I felt like it was a hot topic because mm-hmm. it deals with the main character feeling like he doesn't belong and that there's something wrong and he always sort of feels it it's like the line from the matrix where morpheus is talking to neo Mm -hmm. and he's like you know something has always sort of been off he's like you can't tell you don't know what it is but you feel it Mm -hmm. every day and you feel that something needs to change and so what he what he's getting at is that you've realized that you're living in this uh reality you're living in the matrix and that you want to break free of it and the way he does it is he, he he throws himself off a building and kills himself and then wakes up and he's talking with Neo. And he even has a conversation where he's like, you helped me get out. And he was like, no, that was like all you. And so I thought that was super interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely touching on things that like, honestly, most animation from Japan will deal with. They deal with real shit. Like whenever they go through the animations, they usually don't want to make like a really shallow story Mm-mm. unless it's like one of those really upbeat, like slice of life kind of things where it's like a fucking polar bear. And like other animals who run a cafe, like that's like that's sort of like a different thing. But when they're really taking when, it seriously, when you're talking about anime, it's it's very it's very just as much as any other art form. It's, right, you're gonna have like your slice of life. I remember watching an anime that was about this little girl going to preschool and someone breaks her crayons and it's like the worst thing yes. ever. And I don't remember what it's called. And it's just about this little girl like and her family like finally like coming to terms with their whole deal. I don't, I didn't like it. It was very boring. Anyway, I was like, this is very boring and I, I hate it and very shallow. And I, I hate it. But anyway, but, um, but then I've also seen like stuff like berserk. That's like super deep and like intense oh, and man. crazy. And then you've got stuff that's fun. Like cowboy bebop where it's like a mesh of different, of different like art forms into one. Cowboy bebop really dealt with, uh, people's like place in that universe. Like yeah. how they felt about their purpose and what they were doing and how like everyone was sort of connected to each other. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that's what they dealt with there. And the Matrix sort of does the same thing where it wants people to feel like they are unified in some way. And in this case, it's to survive the Matrix, to survive the reality that they're living in. Mm-hmm. And it all I feel like that was like always the main piece of the Matrix was that you are trying to 
not go crazy and get depressed in the sort of existence that you're living in. Um, but in this case, it's the extreme. You're actually living in a fake reality. Yeah, getting yeah, exactly. In, the, in this case, it is definitely taking the extreme. And the Matrix's whole like, I, I totally see the metaphor you're going there for. Where it's just a metaphor for life. Where you're oh, like, yeah. when you're in the grind. And when you're just, you have like, and it's a matter of like perseverance through the grind and then to get to something better, hopefully, and get out of the grind as it were. Yeah. Um, so after that one, the next one is program program is written and directed by, um, Yoshiaki Kawajiri and produced by Madhouse. Um, so essentially the, this starts with the main character whose name is Sis. And she is in a, like, basically what she calls her favorite simulation. This is the samurai uh, episode where it's, like, the old, like, drawn animation style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's in there with Duo, who is, like, her lover. That's right. And they're, like, going off on, like, they're, like, taking on other samurai and stuff. And it's, like, this whole, like, yes. they, like, go back in time, kind of. They, like, set it to a different like, yeah. timeline. Yeah. They go all the way back to, like, basically feudal Feudal Japan, Japan. yeah. That's and, cool as fuck. Uh, he's, like, that. in heavy samurai armor. And she is in, uh, like, a different type of yeah. samurai armor. She's got, like, the little the little, little dome hat thing. Yeah. she. I love her hair in that one. She yeah. has, like, long, uh, but it's, like, it's, like, flared out white hair is what she has. And so she... Um, is doing like a friendly duel with duo to like hone their skills and this is when duo is like um we need to like essentially go away from this place and what he means is that he wants to go back into the matrix and so he proposes this to her and is like you gotta come with me and of course she's like why would you ever want to go back like you're essentially knowingly going back into something that's fake Mm -hmm. and this really gets into how you might feel about escaping some sort of reality that you're in escaping you, comfort of normalcy yeah like are you are you comfortable with leaving this harsh reality and going back into this blissful unaware situation that you're living in and of course she doesn't want to do it because she's been training to like survive in the world that they are that they're existing in and this is her lover so she's like no like we can't do that but they really do engage in a duel where she's like no she's like, i'm not gonna let it happen and um the the animation is crazy good Mm -hmm. the fight scene's really good like it's such a good like fight scene and i know uh from like reading some of the articles that they were doing about it they uh spent a lot of time the animators and the director spent a lot of time watching uh real samurai uh duel each other Mm -hmm. and they took all their movements and things like that and motion capture and put it into the story and that's why they look very accurate they're not doing anything too crazy for like the giant leaps grounded but it was grounded really well for like real sword fighting skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ends up killing him in the simulation at the end because she doesn't want him to sort of like poison the other crew members with that idea. And then she bursts out of the simulation and finds out that it's fake, that it was all just a test. Oh, that's right. Right. To see yeah. what would happen. If to she see would... if she would like break under that sort yeah, of pressure. Under that sort of pressure. And she doesn't. She, she totally stands her ground and like really commits to like getting past her love for him and killing him. And then um, she, like, gets out, and she's pissed, of course. So she, like, yeah. she socks him because he's, like, the one who sort of came up with the idea. Yeah, the idea. That, that's right. I do remember that episode really well as also. Yeah. And then, and then that idea as well, I mean, it's it's presented in um in The Matrix also because you have uh, – what the hell is it? Zed? I think Zed is the name of that character. He's, like, the bald white dude, the oh, little mustache and goatee. Um, and yeah. he, wa- he wants to go back to The Matrix, essentially. He does. And he cuts a deal at one point. Yeah. To, uh, a deal to like basically give their location away so he can go back to it. Yep. Uh, he he eventually does get killed outside mm-hmm. of the Matrix. Yep. He does almost kill Neo, which is crazy. Yep. He like gets super close to killing like the whole crew, but he was totally willing to like make a deal. Well, well, even with the Matrix, um, Agent Smith sort of becomes like a renegade virus. Yep. He isn't working for the robots anymore at any point. And the and the the what the Matrix sort of culminates to is that they allow Neo to fight Agent Smith because if they didn't, he would have taken over the Matrix. Yep. <laughs> so, the, so the machines almost side with humanity yes. again, just to keep their just so that their shit will still work. Exactly, and so that's sort of what it gets into. Um, the the next story is uh, World Record, which I think is probably my favorite. World record is about a pro athlete. He is a, a, like a sprinter, basically. Yep. So think of like Usain Bolt. 
yeah. uh, but in the future uh, with dreads. And so, and <laughs> yeah, so, like, he's very famous. Everyone knows of him. He keeps breaking world records, and he's, like, the fastest man alive. And it follows his story really briefly about how he gets to the point where um, he starts explaining to people that when he's running, he feels the most free. And ironically, it's because he's getting close to breaking free of the Matrix by, like, sheer willpower. Because he's just so fast and he's so strong and, like, his body has been trained so well that he runs at a speed that he's able to physically break out of the Matrix. And he even wakes up in a pod at some point mm-hmm. and then goes back to the reality of yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, and falls back into it again. But not without the notice of the Matrix, of the robots who run it. Mm-hmm. And so he's running multiple races and he breaks a record and then he's getting set up to break his record again. And he's speaking with a news um, reporter like an article journalist and she wants to like get into the idea of like well what why do you like running so much what does it feel like to you and he's trying to explain how he feels living in that world and what it feels like to sort of uh, break those boundaries because for him he even explains that it's like a mental boundary mm-hmm. that like he's pushing his body as much as he could and in the matrix he gets like agents following him they like show up to his race and are standing by and are just like, we got to watch him and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then he eventually runs so fast and is able to push his body so much that he breaks free of the matrix and the agents freak out. (laughs) They're like, what? That's like not possible. And they all try to swarm him. Um, And his body's like all passed out on the ground. I think. Yeah. Well, he like, he like rips like multiple muscles in his body. His legs basically become useless after that. Um, And then he gets wheelchair bound and no one really like believes him. But he tells them, like, he woke up in a pod somewhere else. Like, he wasn't there anymore, mm-hmm. and then he came back. But now he can't run anymore, and he can't, yeah. like, pursue. So he can't break free yeah. anymore, so he's still trapped. But right. he tries to tell people that. Well, he tells the nurse who's, like, Yeah, he tells the nurse who's just, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> she's nice. She's, like, listening to him, and is like, yeah, you know, tells him about his story. Being a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's crazy is that the uh, the agents show up at his hospital and are, like, watching him very closely. And they're just like, nah, like he's not going to be a problem. And they don't think he's going to be a problem. But then he gets up and walks. He stands up from his chair when he sees one of the agents and he tries to like essentially run again. Mm -hmm. Um, But he can't. And he ends up just sort of collapsing. And it's sort of sad. Like he's really like he's already discovered. He's like close to what the kid did where he almost broke free. Um, just like in a different way. Could be like a metaphor for like enlightenment also. Yeah. Like the struggle for enlightenment. Like I need to like break down what I know and then continue on to, and like literally breaking down his legs, which are like his like way to that peak essentially. Really interesting. Uh, he, he eventually just like gets picked up and put back in his chair and, uh, and then the agents are like, we're going to watch him closely. And then that's sort of like how it ends. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he ends up being one of the people in the entire matrix story who's similar to the kid where they found ways to break free of the matrix, which is cool because they're suggesting that there are several ways that you can possibly break free of that reality of living in the matrix of the simulation that they're living in. Mm -hmm. One of them is, um, suicide in combo with a mental break as well as this where he is like a physical break physical where he's yeah. like he's the best he can be he's running as fast as possible and he pushes his body to like this limit and the same with his mind and then he's able to like pass through and go into somewhere else so i wonder if if he was able to pass through and then come back without injuring himself if he could keep doing it it's like it's like the shock from breaking from a dream right is what is what i envision it kind of like when something in your dream, like have you ever, you ever had a dream that's like, I always get a really dumb dream. It's really dumb where there's a vase falling. It's always a vase. I'll be like dreaming slightly and then a vase falls and I have to catch it and I'll like end up punching my wall or something. Oh, right. Yeah. Like shit like that. So it's like, so it's like a, something that like really, really dr- like, like freaks you out and like jumps up your oh, adrenaline enough that you have to wake up. That makes me think of uh, when you have that falling sensation Yeah. and you fall like onto your bed basically, mm-hmm. but like, it's just you jumping. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. And you like twitch away. <laughs> that happens to me way too much. It happens a lot when I'm watching TV, mm-hmm. ironically. It's like, that, yeah, I don't know what, what, yeah, I don't know how that's What are they putting connected. in the TV? <laughs> it's all the, it's all the waves coming out of the TV. It's fucking yeah. issue. <laughs> um, after that one is a story called Beyond. So this is uh, directed by Koji Maramoto and it's produced by the same studio who did one before, the studio Four Degrees Celsius. 
Um, it follows the teenage girl, Yoko, who's like living with her cat. But then her cat sort of goes missing and she ends up looking for it in the city. And she discovers a bunch of kids who are playing around in like a quote unquote haunted house. The haunted house is really just a break in the matrix. Mm-hmm. It's like a, um, somewhere where like the coding is off. And so weird things happen when you're in there. Like you can levitate, you can like throw things around and they float. Um, things will appear and, and disappear. And so they think it's haunted, but it's really just that break. And so they're able to sort of experience being in there and passing between being in the matrix and not being in it. And that is essentially like what the whole story is. But then it gets quarantined really quickly where like agents basically show up to quarantine the building and they don't explain to anybody why it's quarantined. But it does a lot of, uh, it has a lot of statements on sort of like the government watching over things and always hiding things or mobilizing really quickly to take care of something and very quietly. Um, And so that's really what the whole episode is about. And uh, she does encounter uh, an agent while she's like inside of the, of the haunted house, which is really interesting. Um, But the, the agents don't seem to know how to fix it. They're sort of like trying to like figure out why this anomaly sort of happened. And so really um, it just sort of ends with them returning to the site after it's been quarantined and there is nothing there. It's a parking lot. And so they sort of like patch whatever is wrong with the matrix and then let everyone sort of move on with their lives. But the girl Yoko doesn't necessarily have like her mind cleared and like they just let her continue believing what she believes. And she knows for sure she was in there the prior day. But the next day, it's like all covered up. So it's an, it's an interesting story. It's cool to see for the visuals. Um, they're all different art styles. So this one was more, it was closer to an animation style. Like, have you seen, um, have you seen Gurren Lagann? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It looked similar to that. Um, it was very soft tones that they were using for all of it. And uh, you get to see all the kids playing around in there where they like jump off of something and then they'll like float right just above the ground. Gurren, Gurren Logan reminded me of like Evangelion and like its animation yep. style yeah, and totally. stuff like that. Uh, or um, FLCL, the other one I can think of. Yeah. Um, which are by the same studio, but you know, they look kind of like that. That type of animation style. Nice. The story after this one is a detective story. Um, and it's, it's literally called a detective story. <laughs> it's written and directed by, again, uh, Shinjiro Watanabe, and it's animated by Kazuto Nakazawa. Um, and so it's essentially a prequel to, this is a direct prequel to the first movie. So this is um, a detective that comes in contact with Trinity. Oh, yeah, this episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, well, he, he basically receives a phone call from trinity who is a famous hacker and she's using trinity as like her alias and she um she's basically like giving him a task that sort of like no other detective has been able to solve um and so the last detective that helped her went insane and so she's like start with him see if you can get anything out of him and so he goes and talks to them but can't really get anything out of him and so he eventually starts realizing that agents are following them and that the only way that he can interact with her is by saying like weird lines from Alice in Wonderland. And of course it's a direct reference. Like you're going to go down the rabbit hole. And like he even, they even say it in the movie when Morpheus is like, are you going to take the blue pill? Or you can take the red pill. You're going to like follow the rabbit down the rabbit hole. And so they have that reference and he gets more and more information from her. But uh, the agents are too aggressive. They like chase them both down and he eventually gets killed. And so she feels terrible because she she keeps asking agents or she keeps asking detectives for help, but they keep getting killed. Mm. And so she, she was essentially trying to find someone inside the matrix who could possibly help her. But the, the agents are always present whenever something like that is happening. Um, But essentially what they are getting at is the, the, the detective basically tells her that they are sort of in a no win scenario that like if the matrix is real and they get out then they're going to live in a shit world because they're not living in the matrix anymore but if they continue their existence in the matrix 
they're not really living like a free yeah, life. It's, yeah, they're truly living a lie. Yeah, and so neither one is sort of a win scenario. So he's like, this is like a no-win scenario that we're living in no matter what happens. And this is the idea that he's trying to get at, but he doesn't he doesn't know what happens when you die. And so, of course, he's like terrified when he gets shot and like in the stomach and then just dies on the train. And she has to leave him because she's like being chased by the agents. And so... I felt like each piece uh, that they were including into the into the anthology was adding in larger themes that they use for the Matrix, which is, of course, like the the existence, the existentialism, mm-hmm. the reality and what you're living in. Is it real? Is it not real? Like, are you able to maintain that? Is this system truly living? Right. Or is it just are you just a slave to it? Yeah, and it gets at the idea, like, there is a theory out there that we're all living in a computer simulation. It was really interesting, and it kind of fucked up. But what they're really getting at is uh, that existence of life and how you deal with it. Um, because there's a lot of people who are blissfully unaware, and they're fine with that. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people who are not okay with that idea. People who are woke? Ah. <laughs> Well, in quite this, literally, yeah, in quite case, literally, those who up. are woke and those who are not. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> the concept of being asleep as a form of ignorance is a really pervasive theme in a lot of uh, sci-fi and things like that. Like you can look at um, uh, you can look at uh, what is it like? Like they live is another good example of that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I digress. That, oh man, they live is great. I love it. Yeah, they so uh, good. they really get into how people are seeing each other, mm-hmm. and those glasses sort of reveal the truth to everybody yep. as they're looking around, especially with the advertisements that are just trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's like you, know, just, you must you must make babies, breed and procreate. Yep, this is your god now. Man, we should do that movie as one. Of the I'd episodes. love to do They Live. Yeah. It's great. That's pretty much a horror movie, so I'm thinking yeah. it fits the theme. That would fit. If we have another uh, espionage sort of like reality is not real sort of thing, I guess technically the Matrix is kind of horror in a way. Um, it can be. Can yeah. be. You could consider it that if you wanted to, but it doesn't truly it's fit the genre. A... Conventionally, it doesn't fit the genre. Yeah, though. exactly. Yeah. It's more of a mental thing. Yeah, like it deals with psychological uh, your psychological thriller. fears. Psychological yeah. thriller. Although I think officially the Matrix is considered sci-fi and like thriller. Yeah. Is really where it's at, and it was it was groundbreaking in that way, where mm-hmm. it was a very unique story. Um, everything after it n- couldn't escape the comparison to the Matrix. Yeah, like everything that deals with alternate realities and living in a simulation is always taken back to the Matrix, as far as film goes. Mm-hmm. Um, the story sort of did exist in like theory and in some sort of sci-fi stories, especially with like Asimov and mm-hmm. some of the other people who wrote, uh, like say like Fahrenheit. 451 and things like that where it's like you're living in this alternate reality but never such a break where it was like machines took over yeah so it's interesting that they did something like that the very last story is something called matriculated and it's written directed by peter chung who is really known for his work on the aeon flux production okay and so that's why the animation style was very similar mm. when you watched it. Um, uh, and I mean Aeon Flux, the animation and the comic. Okay. Not necessarily Not the, the live movie. action film. Yeah. The live action film was done by Karen Kusama, um, and it's a really good film. But she mm. got stiff-armed by production who took the story from her. And she was not able to complete her own version, which is why the movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I did a whole report on Karen Kusama, and she's great. She's the one who did uh, um, uh, Jennifer's Body. Oh, shit. Yeah. I remember seeing Aeon Flux in theaters, and I liked it. I had fun with it, but I don't think I was old enough to know anything about it. Right. Just like, girls going to flip around through blades and fight things. That's cool. And that was about it. That was, like, my whole, like, that was what I knew about it. And so it was cool. Yeah. In respect, but, like. I, so, essentially what the last story is about is a rebel group of humans. They are attempting to capture a robot whose only objective is to search and destroy humans plug it into the matrix and hopefully teach it some empathy. They are trying to give it enough knowledge of humans so that it can break free of its programming and possibly assist them in fighting back against the machines. That is like their main goal. And, and so 
uh, they essentially go into their own created version of where they can teach this robot about humanity and it's very trippy mm-hmm. like you watch it and it's like an acid trip yeah really, <laughs> I, re- I do remember this one there's one where there's like a great golden gob that appears yep. at one point yeah i remember that yeah um uh, i do remember yeah they try to they try to get the machine to empathize with humanity's situation i don't remember if it does or not though does it does it eventually empathize with them or is that not fully explained in the episode uh yes the robot is successfully converted but the tragedy of the story is that he does not have the humans who who got him there anymore because the the base gets attacked by oh. other machines and so now there is this converted machine who is going to live its existence empathizing with humans while also breaking away from its programming mm-hmm. and so that's sort of like the main point that they were getting at he wakes up and like everyone is dead mm-hmm. and they didn't do anything to him because he's another robot so he's gonna sort of be secretly living that existence mm-hmm. but but they it, he's converted like the robot is converted. Um, they do show the robot as a like man, masculine sort of character mm-hmm. um, uh, inside of like the reality that they create it. And then it leaves um, even like the description. The description sounds so sad. Uh, the film ends with the converted robot standing outside, looking out over the sea. The same shot used at the intro with Alexa as the robot pulled her consciousness into his hardware. Oh. And so he attempts to save one of them the last person who was in there with him, mm-hmm. but they don't explain whether or not he was successful. And so that is the end of it. And that is sort of, uh, that was hinting at programs inside the matrix breaking away yeah. and not following their programming. AKA, uh, Agent Smith, like Agent, Agent Smith, Smith also, uh, also the Oracle, the Oracle, as well as the person helping the Oracle and the key maker who ends up showing up later so there's a few people who break away from the matrix and live inside of it but like aren't really disturbed yeah because they're the the, also the the frenchman he is also a person he's like in the third movie um and he ends up being a really powerful influential person because he figured out what the matrix was right and his whole deal is like he tries to talk about causality and how like everything has an effect Mm-hmm. and a much larger effect but he's he's a prick so it's chaos like chaos you know, theory yeah it, it really tries to get into the chaos the, theory the wings and the flapping and it causes a tsunami yep <laughs> no yeah totally that's exactly yeah. what it was getting at yep um and that's that's the last one for that one and so all what what the intention was with the animatrix was to fill in more story yeah and for you to get a better grasp on what the Matrix was, because you could probably watch the first movie and still be like, "There's so much unanswered things from this movie." I feel like I feel like um, like if I were to give my thoughts on this series, um, it's really really cool from like an artistic perspective. Really really cool. Very very pretty. Um, a lot of good storylines in there and whatnot. A very like good like good episodic you know uh, length. Uh, and I think that before watching this, I think watching the first Matrix movie is kind of essential. Yes, I think I feel like I feel like you. I wouldn't go into this without seeing the Matrix first. No, I would watch the Matrix first and mm-hmm. then get this because yeah. it's uh, much more satisfying to yeah. get the backstory. Dang, um, do you agree with the popular opinion that the Matrix just got worse as the new movies came out? Uh, no, I don't agree with that either. I think they're just fun. And no. the next second two movies are fun because they had their you know the existential like horror thing in the beginning and then they do a really well of just having like fun and action and like solutions to like different problems i think what happened was anyone who was engaging with the matrix movies wasn't engaging with the rest of what they had created yeah so the video games the um nairobi that's the person that um morpheus is in love with Mm. so in the video game you spend like who knows how many missions as nairobi and she is doing all these missions to make sure that stuff goes right. And then she ties directly into the movie where she meets Morpheus in the third movie when they ask for um, they ask for like reinforcements, basically. Mm. And they're like, who is going to go out and assist Morpheus? And it's her. She like shows up and she is like, I'm going to go. She's like, I'm going to take whatever ship I've got and go and help him. And so you wouldn't care about Nairobi unless you played the game for however many hours as her discovering her own story. And then you eventually go in there. Do you think that, do you think that they could have probably inserted her a little bit more of her story in there to make you care about her more in the movies that you didn't have to go play a video game in order to do so? Well, yes, but that wasn't their intention. Yeah, exactly. I I, I like the idea of having a video game that has a storyline that incorporates with the movie. They had the movie, they had a comic book, they had the video game, 
They had all of the stuff on the website. So, like, they were really expecting people to go out of their way to look yeah, for Yeah, go it, out of the way to really get into the story. Which is, like, it was sort of a fault on their end because yeah, people are lazy. people are going to do that all the time. They're not going to. Not everyone will. Big right. fans will. Yes. And so I enjoy The Matrix because I went to every medium that has something to do with it. And you get some really cool tie-ins. Um, like, you get the tie-in with the kid who freed himself. You get the tie-in with Nairobi. Um, you get a tie-in for uh, who the um, who the council sort of is, like from some of the comics, as well as like learning where the robots came from and things like that. So you sort of get this idea. And then the very last movie, the third movie, explains that Neo is not the first person to be there. That when, you know, like you've spent two and a half movies explaining to you that Neo is like the one. He is going to be the person who gets people to where they need to be. But then you discover in the third movie that when he meets the person who created the Matrix, that that's not the first time someone has arrived there. And that, in fact, humanity has tried this several times and they kept failing. And that was the point of the whole story and why they kept going through it. Humanity has tried to save itself several times before that and kept failing. But the reason why it worked this time was because Neo, Morpheus, like they were all the right combo. Mm -hmm. They knew exactly what they needed to do to get to the part where they were at. And um, because they were all so self-sacrificing, they were able to finally break free of the Matrix and of what's going on and sort of move forward with their story. And so that is like, that's probably like the most important bit. But if you don't like the second and third movie, you're going to like, you're never going to. You're not going to enjoy it. You're never going to get to the ending of what it really is. And they have really good moments Mm -hmm. towards the end of the films when like, um, like when the robots invade the city and they're like, it's like their last stand. That's like some of the most heroic shit you see. It's epic as fuck. It's super epic. You have the dudes in like the exosuits yeah. with the fucking machine guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'm really mad that I don't remember his name, but he's one of the like, like le- tank. No, no. The, tank the older man who is in one of the exosuits and he is just like a badass and he's yeah. killing so many things. I got to look it up. <laughs> you got to know who it is. <laughs> um, so the actor is Nathaniel Lees and it's Mifun. Mifun. Mifun is a sort of like grunt captain who is very good at um, piloting the exosuit. Mm-hmm. And he also really fully believes in Morpheus and, mm-hmm. and what his belief is in with the one. But he essentially like leads the ground troops when the alien or not the aliens, the, the robots break in. And he is just like killing so many at one point. And then he passes off the exosuit to the kid from the stories that we heard about and he ends up being the one who opens the door that lets neo and the rest of them fly through on the ship on the nebuchadnezzar and they set off the um the the mp that destroys all of the robots in that area and so that gives them enough time to like regroup and so that's like one of the main pieces of the story and so i was like that's so good like that was such good storytelling for that moment and it's definitely still one of the movies where i watch it and i'm always crying there's like all these people who are dying it's like really like they're all self-sacrificing people they like so many of them end up becoming martyrs for like what they believe in mm-hmm. and so that is where it's sort of appealing for that heroic storyline where you get that and then even um neo and trinity going straight into like the machine city and uh trinity dying like on yeah. her way there and oh, then man. and then uh neo having to face um, the agent alone and he's blinded at that point because yep. he's uh he's gotten injured from the other guy we talked about earlier the bald guy who tried to go back into the matrix he like blinds him by putting an electrical cable to his eyes and fucks up oh, his vision shit. so there's a lot and it's all connected and it's well worth it to go check out all of these extra bits and kind of tie it all into the story um you'll also get into some really heavy topics that could bring up some good conversation <laughs> very existential yeah yeah you'll definitely start dealing with stuff like that overall though i liked i really like both of them mm-hmm. uh, they're really good sci-fi stories and it's uh it's cool to talk about some sci-fi instead of some horror sometimes yeah definitely <laughs> nothing wrong with discussing a little bit of sci-fi some really good we had a lot of there was these were two very good selections because i'd never actually seen animatrix so i was very pleasantly pleased with it yeah i was like wow i can't believe i never did i always thought i thought it was going to be like super lame or yeah, something exactly right i was like eh, maybe 
but I never did it. And then you were like, we're doing it this week. And I'm like, okay, well now I got to do it. So. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. But it was, it was very, it was fantastic. I liked it a lot. Uh, and, but I do still think that if you haven't seen like any of the other matrix movies, or at least the first one, you shouldn't watch the movie. You should definitely no. see the first movie. Yeah, first. Watch the first matrix yeah. movie, watch the animatrix, watch the Cause then it means movie. more to you. Cause there's, there's yeah. references to the movies in the, in them and that you wouldn't, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to you if you haven't yeah. already seen them oh totally yeah no that, that totally makes sense and i think that's a good way to go about it um i just have one final question and it's gonna i i think i want to ask it because i want to leave people with something to think about but last night justine and i had a really interesting conversation we were talking about uh paradoxes and we were talking about have you heard of the omnipotent paradox nope so the main reason I bring this up is because in a way the matrix and the machines become this sort of omnipotent power in the world and they can create anything inside the matrix. What the omnipotent paradox proposes is that an omnipotent power or creature or being cannot exist. The reason why is because you have to oppose one question. Can this omnipotent power creature being create a rock that it cannot move? If it can create a rock that it can't move, then it has a limitation to its power and it is not omnipotent. Mm. But if it creates a rock that it can move, it does not have the ability to make something that is unmovable, so it is not omnipotent. Oh, shit. So, so it can't actually... Either way that you go, it's it can't exist. It's not possible to be omnipotent. Yeah. Exactly. And so that is something that I will leave everyone to think about. And you can go look at it because it's much more complex. But that's yeah. the general question that comes up because, of course, there's alternatives to like, yeah. you know, is this omnipotence only affecting things outside of you? Is yeah. it affecting yourself as well? But it's still a cool thought experiment, kind of like Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it alive or not? Uh, where it, Because you can't observe it. Because yeah, you because can't you can't see observe it. it. It'll exist in both realities until you observe it. It both does and does not exist yes. until you prove otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Until you prove otherwise. Yeah. Either that or it's like, uh, does a tree make noise when it falls in the middle of the forest? Oh How God. do you know? Are you there to witness it? yeah. If somebody exactly. hears it, I guess. If a deer hears it, does it still make a sound? <laughs> so I'll leave everyone with that. And I really want to thank you for coming to talk to me about Hell these two because yeah. there's a lot with it oh yeah we and also we, we miss eddie because he's sick today yeah he was sick his voice is kind of out of commission there's but we'll in- get his thoughts yeah we're gonna get this. his thoughts on both of these movies yeah. next uh, next episode and before i let everyone go we're super easy to find we're on all of the streaming services so we are on itunes we are on spotify we are on soundcloud as well as iHeartRadio. and then of course we have our facebook page and our instagram page so feel free to interact with us comment what you liked what you didn't like or if we missed something and you wanted to comment on it we'll definitely be open to the communication on there um but i hope everyone has a good night thank you stay spooky